Hello church, welcome everyone. It's good to be here with you. Hello church, it's good to be here with you all this Wednesday, June 30th. Uh, my name is Enoch Jimenez. Some of you may know me or may have seen me running around. Uh, some of you may not. I'm, I'm usually a behind-the-scenes type of person. But today I've been given the honor to conclude our series through Colossians as we go through chapter 4. And so I'm honored. And since I'm rather new, uh, or at least new in this role, I'd figure uh, I'll tell you guys a little bit about myself as we wait for some more people to join here. Uh, I grew up in a small Hispanic, old school, traditional Assemblies of God church in, in Bell. And I was one of those kids who who was causing havoc by you know, running through the church pews. I was in Lord Rangers and uh, heavily involved in Sunday school. And I was just always a church kid. Uh, I'm so fortunate enough to have known the, the Lord uh, from since I was born, my parents were were already believers, and I thank God for them. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, as I got into high school, that uh, kind of ended. You know, as I started going through that, you know, stereotypical teenage rebellious phase, uh, I, I strayed from the Lord uh, a little bit, just a little bit, and I say that very sarcastically. Um, I started getting involved in things I shouldn't have and in some cults and doing uh, hanging out with uh, bad company and, um, and as I was doing all that I started getting an anger and, uh, uh, and feeling very alone and empty because I had gone away from my first love which was, which was God and you know there, there was just that void within me and I started becoming very angry, very upset, very depressed. And uh, I remember on Easter Sunday of 2010, my, my parents started uh, attending church here. And on that Sunday, that Easter Sunday, uh, they dragged me here, literally, because I did not want to come. Um, and I remember uh, there was a bilingual service and it was in Transitions Hall and Pastor Josh was preaching and the Spirit just touched me that day and I was so convicted and uh, I rededicated my life to God uh, that day and since then I started attending this church, Mission Ebenezer, and I've been plugged in here mainly with uh, the Hovenes, which is our Spanish youth, and with the worship team and now the, the media team. Uh, the camera team and <clears throat> excuse me and so uh, yeah I, I've been coming here for 11 years now and a couple of years ago uh, 2017 I I started attending LABI college in, in an effort to to grow in my calling and take another step uh, and this year I graduated with 
uh, my bachelor's degree in theology. And so thank God for that. And now I aim to get my master's degree and uh, get that in, in theology and divinity and use that degree to teach church history and uh, and also just world history and U.S. history, which I love. History has been a passion of mine. Um, I just love it and want to teach it so that we can learn from the past, both the successes and the mistakes. And so that's a little bit about me. Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome once again. Uh, my name is Enoch Jimenez again. And so without further ado, <clears throat> let's jump into the word. So uh, last week, Pastor Josh gave us a, a good lesson on Colossians 3, where we learned that in Christ we're a new humanity. Uh, we were encouraged to live in the present as this new creation in Christ, this new family in Christ, by setting our sights on things above, you know, on, on heavenly things and not on the things of this world. And, you know, we're encouraged to give up vices like slander, um, pride, anger, obscene talk, these these things no longer have a place in our lives because we're in Christ now. We're to be holy as God is holy. We're to walk in integrity, uh, in love and in respect and um, yeah, with one another. And so chapter four is an extension of this. And so let's go ahead and read the word of God. But first, let's, uh, let's say a prayer as we begin. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We worship you. We adore you, Lord. And this evening, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you give us the sermon of your word, that you open our spiritual eyes and ears to see and to listen. Would you want to speak to us tonight, Lord? Speak, Lord. We are your servants. We are listening, Father. We are here for you. We praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Colossians 4, starting from verse 1, says this. Also, I'm, I'm reading from the ESV version, just uh, in case anyone was curious. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open a door, may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on the account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will, be, will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And we'll go ahead and we'll stop there uh, in verse 9, verse 10 and onwards. We just see that Paul is uh, just giving greetings to several people who are in the Church of Colossae. Uh, and, uh, and just mentioning names and 
Um, go ahead and read it. I, I encourage you because it, it's actually quite interesting. The names that are there, there's, there's some titans of the faith there. But we're going to focus on uh, what we just read. And so starting with verse 1, uh, we see that Paul is continuing his <clears throat> exhortation from the previous chapter by encouraging masters to treat their servants justly and rightly. And so this is written in response probably to an issue between a runaway slave Onesimus who was mentioned in, in verse 9 and his owner Philemon. And this issue was addressed in a much more detailed manner in Paul's letter to Philemon. Paul actually wrote a letter to, to Philemon uh, for this specific case. And I encourage you all to read that letter. Uh, it's short, one chapter, but don't let its eyes trick you. Um, it's 25 very powerful verses. Um, but in that personal letter, we, we find that there's a dispute between Onesimus and his master. And so... Here in, uh, in his letter to Colossians, Paul uses the, <clears throat> the opportunity to address all slave owners to treat their servants with respect. In uh, the Greco-Roman world where, where Paul lived, it's believed by scholars <clears throat> that anywhere from a quarter to a third of the population was enslaved. And so with those statistics, uh, which, which are pretty mind-boggling, it's safe to assume that Philemon was not the only slave owner in, in Colossae. So Paul is using the letter as an opportunity to tell all of them that they're all a part of God's kingdom now and that no one's above one another. We're all equal. doesn't matter if you're a servant or a slave. You know, The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And we're all brothers and sisters made in God's image. We're all one big family in Christ. And... Um, how would this look like in the 21st century? Because slavery, fortunately, has been scourged from uh, most of the world, although unfortunately it still exists in some places, but it's mainly been scourged and uh, it, it was eradicated here uh, in the U.S. with the 13th Amendment. But many of us are still business owners and managers and shift leaders, ministry leaders. Um, so how's, how has our treatment been towards those who we work with, you know? Um, have we been encouraging and edifying or have we been gossiping or undermining them in some way? You know, uh, have you been withholding a raise from that person that has so merited it? So I, I encourage you all, you know, just take time and reflect on this. How are we treating those around us? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, because we're all equal, you know. We're all equal in Christ. Like, like I mentioned, um, pride has, has no room in the kingdom. He, uh, Paul stresses that in the previous chapter. Uh, and we're all made in his image, you know. His footprint, I'm sorry, his footprint. His Well, yeah, that too, I guess. <laughs> his thumbprints are, are all over us. We, we, we are a mirror reflection of him. And so... We're all equal. We're all his children. Um, let's go on to verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so this is a this is a very powerful verse um, because prayer is powerful. And thanksgiving is powerful. But when, when you combine both of them, it truly moves the heart of God. 
prayer, of course, is basics 101 of a believer along with, you know, the word of God. Uh, when we pray, it's our, it's our soul communicating with the living God. But how many of us know that we can pray and we can have a negative attitude? And that's why Paul is saying, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving brings remembrance of God's mercies. And when we remember God's mercies, you know, it, it changes our attitude. It creates this spontaneous worship. Wow, Lord, you did this for me. How can I not praise you? Wow, Lord, you know, you, you healed me. You healed my family member. You, you came through when I needed that job. You, you were always there when I needed you. Or you may not have given me what I wanted, but you gave me what I needed. And I thank you for that. And when we have that attitude of gratitude, as we usually say around Thanksgiving time, right? It changes something within our, our soul. The, the way we come into prayer, the attitude we come into prayer with is very important. Do you guys remember when uh, Cain and Abel gave their, their offering to God? Abel came and, and gave the first fruits uh, of, of his crop. While, uh, did I say Cain? I hope I said Abel. Abel is the one that gave his um, first fruit of his crop. Uh, but Cain gave uh, what was left over. And so God saw that. And of course, he was not pleased with Cain's offering. And boom, we have the first in instance of fratricide in, in history. But it's so important. There's another story of of Moses and the people of Israel in um in the wilderness when uh, they're at the rock of Meribah and uh, people are thirsty and God tells Moses, hey, strike the rock and water will flow and I will I'll quench, the, quench the thirst of everyone. Uh, but, but Moses was so angered against the people and he had this attitude of, of anger and he struck the rock twice. And so God was, was angry at that. And he said, because you did that, you're not going to enter the promised land. And so, you know, our attitude is very important. Our attitude is, is vital. And so Thanksgiving is such, such a crucial aspect. Um, when we come into prayer, let's, let's never disassociate prayer and Thanksgiving. I'm also reminded of when uh, when Jesus told the disciples in Mark, I think it was 14, watch and pray that, uh, that you don't enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the spirit, I'm sorry, the, the flesh is weak. And so, of course, Jesus was alluding uh, to them that the only way that we're going to face the, the future child that was coming, which was, of course, his crucifixion was... Uh, to be vigilant in prayer and thanksgiving. Um, Jesus taught us to always pray and not lose heart. And um, men and women who are in persistent prayer uh, are always on the alert, alive to the will of God and, and willing to move to the beat of the Spirit because the Spirit is always moving. How many of you guys know that the Spirit of God is nomadic? He doesn't stay in one place. He's always moving. He's always doing something. Um, I'm reminded of the tabernacle in, in the Old Testament. Um, the tabernacle was was a, essentially a fancy box 
that that held the um, some manna and the Ark of the Covenant and stuff, and um, it, it was symbolic of God's presence, and it was always moving um, wherever the Israelite people went. And so uh, later on, when King David tries to build a temple for <clears throat> to God, God is like, "Well, I've never really d- dwelled in." You know, a building in a temple. I, I'm always on the move, but I appreciate the gesture, David. Go ahead and build it. Um, but you know, the, I say I say all that to say that that God's spirit is always moving, and we have to be alert. We have to be watchful. We have to be discerning to what He's doing, uh, both in our lives and in those around us, in our communities, in our families, in our church. And so the only way we're gonna we the only way we can hope to catch up to the spirit's work is to stay alert and vigilant in prayer and in thanksgiving. And so um, let's do that, church. Let's do that. Let's let's press into God. Let's uh, let's keep our discipline of prayer. Pr- discipline is probably one of the one of the things that. Our society is lacking a lot nowadays, so I encourage you, you know, if you're not praying, take time. Doesn't matter how long, doesn't matter where. Be alert to what God is trying to tell you, what he's trying to teach you, what he's trying to show you. Always be in prayer, church. Always be in prayer. Let's continue. Let's go down to to verse 6, which will probably be my, my final point. Um... Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, you know, in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 3, we learned that there was a lot of slander going on in the Church of Colossae. Uh, a lot of obs- obscenity, a lot of bath-mouthing, a lot of gossip. And so, I think this is why Paul is mentioning this. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And now this is this is important because uh, how many guys have heard the phrase "sticks and bones uh, might break my bones, but will not ne- words will never hurt me"? Uh, that's not true. That is absolutely not true. Uh, psychological pain is much more severe and lasting than any physical pain we could ever endure. Um, think about all the people who harbor scars from uh, psychological abuse as children. You know, all you know, parents who who didn't know any better and who were abusing their their children with bad words or always putting them down. Um, many of us have scars from all that, or you know doesn't have to be our parents, it could be a, another family member, a friend, bullies at school. I was heavily bullied and it took me a long time to um, to overcome my insecurity. All that bullying really, really made me insecure for a time and it took me a good minute to, to realize that no, I'm a child of God. Um, I don't care what these people say about me, I'm a child of God. And so words are powerful words are powerful they they can break our hearts they can break our spirits broken bones can heal with time but a broken spirit caused by words of death isn't easily repaired Uh, so 
uh, remember that uh, proverb that says the power of life and death are in the tongue it is so true it is so true remember when uh, when Peter and the disciples were tired of fishing and they couldn't they were fishing all night they couldn't catch anything but Jesus says hey throw down your nets again and Peter's like okay Lord at your word the word of God is powerful and our words are powerful too our words have a big impact um, I'm also reminded of of uh, the pistol of James when you know James connects a sense of the tongue with the sense of the body because Usually our, our words uh, lead to corresponding deeds. You know, we, we can't talk. Uh, we can't treat somebody better than we're talking about them. So we're, if we're always gossiping about someone, we're always putting them down. Um, we're never going to be able to treat them better than how we talk about them. So, you know, the tongue can, you know, can express, can repress, you know, it can offend, it can befriend, affirm, or alienate. Build or belittle, comfort or criticize. So, how are we? How is our speech, church? I encourage us to to reflect. How is our speech doing? How how are we talking to those around us? How are we interacting? Are we too quick to criticize? Are we uh, building up? Are we edifying? Or are we tearing down? What are we doing with our words, church? Uh, What are we doing? What are we doing? All right, church. Well, that's uh, that's all I have for you. Um, I, I it's a little short. I think uh, I'm like I said, I'm relatively new in this role, so I, I hope that what I uh, what the Lord gave me blessed you. Um, that's what I have. Um, remember, church. Uh, uh, there are a couple activities coming up here. VBS. Uh, is coming to us July 9th. So, you know, if you haven't registered your kids, register your kids. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And uh, the Word of God is just going to be sown into them. That little seed is going to be planted. And uh, as they grow up, I'm sure the Lord is going to send someone. To, uh, to, uh, the Word is escaping me. To irrigate that seed and... Uh, and it's going to sprout and it's going to grow. Uh, also, our leadership summit is, is coming up uh, in, in late July. So if you haven't signed up yet, uh, I encourage you all to do so. All of the leaders, um, go to our website at missionebenezer.org and you'll find all the info there as well as other announcements. Um, Thank you all. Uh, this has been uh, a blessing and encouragement, encouraging time for me. And so thank you all. God bless you. And we will see, see you around. God bless you, everyone.